Good morning. How is everybody today? So good to see you. Come on, stand up with me. Let's praise Jesus this morning through song. We're glad to see you here at Crossroads.
Good morning. Glad everybody's here making a holy ruckus. Yeah, I like that. That's good. You guys sound good. Good job. Well done. Hey, welcome those joining us online. Church, I want to share with you just what's kind of happening this week and what's coming up in the next couple weeks. First, I want to welcome our guests. Welcome those who are joining us, our guests. Thank you for being here. Listen, uh, stop by the Welcome Center. We have a gift for you because you're important to God and you're important to us. Our whole church means the world to us. And uh, we're just, we're going to talk about Christ. We're going to make him the number one priority. We're going to remove everything else and make him the number one priority. So that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about Jesus. You ready, church? Yeah. All right, listen, a few things. One, I want to tell you guys that we have our next steps membership class that's happening next weekend. Do you see that? I rehearsed it all night. Next Steps is happening next weekend, next Sunday. Uh, It's going to be right after the second service down in the canopy room. This is for anybody who is looking to join this church to make this church your home, your family, which we're going to talk about today uh, in uh, in the service. And so please uh, grab that Connect card in front of you and just write just name and information you can put on there. And then write, I want to join the Next Steps class. That's going to be on the second. Or you can do it online. Uh, you can take that connect card, drop it in the box as you leave, give it to the Welcome Center, and they'll take it from there. Um, or you can register for our uh, Next Steps class uh, online. There's free child care, which you can't go to the Next Steps class multiple times. Some of you know I'm just kidding. Um, and then there's also free lunch. So please come on out on the second. We're going to have a great time. Pastor Ken's going to lead this and just helping us discover crossroads. What does that mean to, to be a part of this church? And does that mean to make this church your home? So we're going to talk about that next Sunday, the 2nd. And then the next Sunday after that, the 9th, we're going to be having our Ecuador mission trip uh, information meeting. That's going to be at 1230 in room 207. So we're going to talk all things Ecuador. And again, just talk about the dates, when we're going, uh, support raising, uh, what we do for prepping, and what we need to do just to get all of our ducks in a row to go on that trip. So please, uh, if you're interested, join us on the 9th at 1230 in room 207 for our Ecuador mission trip meeting. And then last but not least, our trunk and treat. We're having our trunk and treat on October 26th, and uh, we're going to just love on our church, love on the community. We're going to hand out candy. We're going to serve hot dogs. We're going to serve hot chocolate, and it is a blast. If this is your first time hearing about trunk and treat, put it on your calendars. It is a phenomenal event. We see tons of people come up to this, and the point is not that we have tons of people. The point is that we're showing the love of Christ by handing out candy. You never thought that God could use candy. Oh, believe me, he can use candy. So listen, come on up. And then we're asking our church to, we're just going to, we're going to build a team to love on these kids, to love on their families. And so if you can bring your car and decorate it, and I encourage you, those of you that last year, take it to the next step, take it to the next level. Come on, let's go crazy. You know, listen, we brought some of our animals last year. Let's see you do that. Come on, get crazy. So we're going we're gonna to have a great time on the 26th, and so I encourage you to bring your car. I encourage you to bring your smart car, bring whatever you have, your truck, decorate it, hand out candy. Or if you'd like to help with parking, we need help in parking. We also need help with handing out hot chocolate as well as the hot dogs. So please, uh, in your bulletin, grab that piece of paper, sign your name and your info, your info on there, and then highlight the thing that you want to help. Uh, serving in and then put it in the offering box or give it to the welcome center and we'll take it from there but listen the 26th we can't wait it's gonna be a great time church i also just want to say thank you for your faithfulness and giving can't say can't say it enough you guys are awesome just saying all right god you've given us 
the monies that you've given us, and we're giving back as a form of worship to you. So thank you, church, for being faithful and giving. God's using our church, and his hand is on this church. So praise God for what he's doing. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the just the power that we just experience, Lord, just singing, Lord, to you, Lord, and I, I just can't wait to see what you're going to do as a result of us meeting with you this morning. God, grow us, change us, make us more like your son, Jesus. Lord, we ask all things in his name. Amen. Church, let's stand as we continue in song this morning.
know nobody loves you like Jesus Christ. Did you know that this morning? Nobody loves you like Jesus. This is the
will not fail me now. You won't fail me now in the waiting. The same God is never late. He's working all things out. You're working all things out.
before we get into a new series today on the church, I want to uh, just stop and pause and remember a few of our people that are going through some issues this morning in our church. A couple really heavy things that are going on for a few people. One is Chester Knoll. Many of you know Chester Knoll. Chester and Faith have been part of our church for 30 years or more. They're, they've been a long time part of our church. Chester went in for his kidney transplant this morning at 4 a.m., and uh, he has had the kidney transplant, and he is doing well in recovery. But I want you to pray for Chester Knoll and his family, Chester and Faith. They have, uh, they have a, a lot of kids, I think seven kids, right, seven kids, and uh, they're, they, they're wonderful people. Chester uh, is like uh, in his 50s, and he would go to work every day, come home and go to uh, dialysis, and then do the cycle all over again the next day. And uh, he's an incredible guy, but I'm hearing really good things. And then the other one that I uh, got wind of here today was also the Connie Brady. Many of you know Connie Brady, faithful part of our church. She fell and broke her hip, and she is she had hip surgery this morning. So I'm getting good reports from both of these folks. But uh, let's pray for them this morning. Especially remember Chester. That's going to be a long battle. We want to pray that uh, his body will do well with this new kidney. All right, let's pray. Father God, we come before you, Lord. We thank you for Chester. Uh, Noel, Lord, and Faith and their family, Lord, just wonderful family, wonderful kids. And Lord, we ask that you'll put your hand of blessing upon this surgery that was done this morning, Lord. Thank you that you provided for him a kidney that uh, will sustain his life. So, God, I pray that you'll give him encouragement and strength for all that he needs today and that you'll touch his body, Lord, give him healing, as uh, I'm sure it's a tremendous uh, toll on his body. So, Lord, we just ask you to put your hand upon Chester this morning and be with us as a church family. See how that we can, uh, Lord, lead us and guide us, how that we can help this family along this journey. Lord, we think of Connie Brady as well. We lift her up to you. God, we're so thankful for our church. And we, uh, as we look into this series on the church, on your church, Lord, I pray that you'll guide us and, and lead us as we look at, uh, at the power of your word and the power of what you have given us in the church. In your name we pray. Amen. So when you think of the church, uh, when I put up those words, the church, there's a lot of, a lot of things that come to your mind. Maybe for some of you, you think the church, you say, oh, well, that's boring sermons, right? Not in our church, but in other churches, right? So you would think, yeah, that's a boring sermon. Or maybe you would say that uh, the church, it's outdated. The church just isn't for me. Or you would say the church is, uh, I've had a bad experience at church. So the, the church is uh, maybe not a good word. And when you hear church out there, I'm not talking about the church building. I'm not talking about the church as a denomination. I'm talking about the church of Jesus Christ. Where did the church come from? When you, when you look in the scriptures, where did the church come from? Well, it comes from Matthew 6, 16, 18. Jesus had met with his disciples and he asked his disciples, who do men say that I am? And Peter responds, and Peter says, they, uh, you know, they're telling all, all that they say. He says, who do you say that I am? Peter responds and says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then Jesus responds this. He says, and I also say to you that you are Peter. Now, Peter, his name in Greek is Petros. It means rock. But what he says here, you are Peter, you are rock, and upon this rock. So there's a Greek play on words here. Peter is small rock, and then he says on this rock, the big rock, I will build my church. 
What he's referring to is the fact that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's what Christ would build his church on. Now, Peter would go out and Peter would open up the church. Peter was the, the man who got to preach on, on, the, on the opening day of the church. 3,000 people came to Christ. It was a big deal. God used Peter. But he says, I say to you, Peter, that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And then he says, and the gates of hell, the gates of Hades, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That's a term of the defense of hell. The gates would be around a city, and the gates were for defense. So you would go in. He says as the church progresses and goes into and takes people out of going to hell and taking them to heaven. He says, so the gates of hell will not prevail on the mission of the church. God will take the church, and, and he will build the church. Now, for me, this is very exciting because as the pastor, I can't build the church. I can fill the pulpit. I can give the word of the Lord. But God says he's the one who builds the church. Amen? So I'm so thankful today that we're not here to build the church. We're here to be faithful. God is the one who builds the church, and God is doing a fabulous job at it, isn't he? Let's thank God for our church here. I thank God for our church. But I want you to think of the church worldwide. This church that Jesus said that the gates of hell will not prevail against. It's estimated that there are some 2.3 billion followers of Jesus Christ today. 2.3 billion followers of Jesus Christ. Um, it's the most successful human movement on, on the planet. Nothing has lasted this long as the church. It's incredible. Governments don't last this long. Nations don't last this long. The church has lasted this long. 2.3 billion. Do you realize that's more than the population of China? That's more than the population of China and Europe. And it's more than the population of China, Europe, and the United States. There are Christ followers. There are believers all over this world. In every nook and cranny, God has placed us. He scattered us everywhere. And we are his church. So, so we don't build the church. God builds the church. And uh, you are part of that. You're part of that movement of the church. That is where, that's, that's what we are. We are the church. No dictator can stop it. Nobody, there's governments throughout, the, throughout history has tried to stop Christianity. If you go and look through, Chris, uh, look, through, look through the church history, you'll find that there were that different leaders got up and said, we're going to persecute the church and we're going to try and stop the church. Well, let me tell you, when you persecute the church, you only grow the church. Tertullian said that the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. So as, as somebody dies for Christ, man, all of a sudden God multiplies it, and now there's not just one follower, there's a thousand followers. And so God multiplies his church. He continues to grow it. Over in Ephesians 5.25, we see that Christ loves the church. Look at this. Husband, love your wives. And all the women are like, amen. He's hitting it, right? Husbands, love your wives. How? Just as Christ loved the church. And he gave himself for the church. Man, that's a powerful, powerful example. We're going to come back to that verse in future weeks, but it's a powerful example how we're to love our wives. Just as Christ also loved the church, he loves the church. You know, many people through the years have told me, uh, my dad was one of them. My dad used to tell me as a kid that you don't have to go to church. You can, you can, you can be spiritual at home. I have my Bible, and he used to watch different TV preachers, and that was good enough. There's just one problem with that. Christ loves the church. And I want to tell you that you can't love Christ and not love what he loves. 
You have to love his church. So God has called us. We, we love the church. I'll tell you what. I love the church. I'm a product of the church. The church has made an impact on my life. And to this day, I love the church. And it's not just this church. I have tremendous love and affection for this church in particular because my life has been here. But for the church uh, around the globe, for God's people. Um, it's, it, see, the word church is this word ekklesia. It means called out. In the Greek culture, they had these little political groups. They were little ecclesias. be like a, uh, an ecclesia group. You'd call them out for, for a specific purpose. Jesus said, I will start my ecclesia, my called out. I will bring the people that I'm calling out of darkness into light. This will be my ecclesia, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so he lays out this, this, this big movement of the church, and then he tells us that he loves the church, over in Ephesians 1, 5, we see, we see um, we're going to come back here. First, before I hit to that verse, I'm going to show you two pictures here of the church, all right? Number one, when you, see, when you say the word church, this is what comes into your mind. The old country church, right? You remember those places down in West Virginia, out in the country. But you think of a building. You think of a steeple. You think of this parking lot up, up on the hill here. You think of a, a building. You think quite often of a church where, where it's a place that you go. And while we call this a church, I think that the church should look more like the next picture. Because what we see in the scripture is that it's more of a family. The, the church is a family. It's not a building. Yeah, we call this a church because this is where you, the church, gather. And we come in here, we worship together, we gather here, we've, uh, we've shared burdens here. This is a, an incredible place for us, but it's not the church. One day this building will be bulldozed. One day, who knows, maybe we'll outgrow it, we'll need another building. This is just a building. The, the, the building is not the church. You are the church. And so, so the scriptures tell us that the church is a family. So we're going to be looking at four snapshots of the, of the church. This week we're going to look at the church as a family. The church is a family. That's the first point in your notes. Ephesians 1.5, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. God is the one who adopted us into his family, and we are part of the family of God. And when I say the church is a family, say that with me. The church is a family. Say it again. That's a loaded statement, isn't it? Because you all have a different opinion of what family is. For some of you, family is a wonderful term. And you have a lot of good memories. For some, that's not a good term, is it? Maybe you remember a few feuds that happened. Maybe you're thinking about Thanksgiving already and you've got to go with the family. And you know you've got to sit next to somebody in the family that you haven't seen since last Thanksgiving. Why? Because you don't get along too well, right? That's, but they're still family, right? Sometimes families get along. It's wonderful when a family gets along. Sometimes they don't get along. <laughs> and it's not too pleasant when they don't. And the church family, let me share, share something with you. The church family, sometimes we get along Sometimes we don't because we're a family. I mean, that, listen, that's what happens. How many of you have a brother or sister out there? Raise your hand. You have a brother or sister. Okay, you can put down your hands. Out of all those people, how many of you have never once fought with your brother or sister? 
Gar, not even Gar's kids. Come on. Man, a day. Listen, everybody fights with your brother and sister. That's what happens. But because you're family, you work through it. And you get through it. And this is what the body of Christ is. The body of Christ has called us to be family. We are family because God's the one who's adopted us into his family. Look at what the, the Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 3. He said, I hope I am writing these things to you uh, so that you will know how people must conduct themselves in the household of God. That is the church of the living God. The household of God. You know, there's a way to conduct ourselves in the family of God. We're to love, we're to care, we're to forgive. I mean, that's all part of being family. And he says, and in First Timothy, he's writing to young Timothy. He says, man, I'm teaching you, I'm giving you instructions how that you ought to behave, how that you ought to conduct yourself. Every family has, has rules, don't they? In your family, you know, when you were growing up, if you, if you were out past midnight, you learned that there was a rule. Uh, if you didn't eat your vegetables as a kid, you learned that there was a rule. And, and it's not that those were stringent rules. It's just how we operate. And so God says, hey, in, in the midst of this, this is how we operate. But I want to look here today. We're going to jump over to second. Uh, to, I'm sorry. We're going to jump over here to First Thessalonians chapter 2. And we're going to look at a few terms that Paul uses that show us that the church is a family. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 7. The very first one in your notes here is a child. We're going to look at the, the fact that, that he's going to use a child terminology. And that's from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 7. He says, but we were like young children among you. We came to you. We brought you the gospel. And we were like young children among you. What, you know, I, I think about this. The Apostle Paul, here he is, the great Apostle Paul. This was the guy who persecuted Christians. He's now become a follower of Christ. He's become the biggest voice for Christ. And so now when he comes, he comes from being, when he was against the church, he was pretty bu- brutal. Now that he's for the church, he says, I came to you as a child. We were like young children among you. So he's saying, hey, we threw a fit when we didn't get what we wanted. No, he's saying we were not childish. He said we were childlike. Um, look here. Go back to verse 5. Just a few verses earlier, he explains it. He says, you know, we never used flattery, nor did we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. Hey, we came to you like a little kid, and, and you know we didn't use flattery. Do you ever notice the kids... Don't, like a little two, three, four-year-old kid doesn't know what flattery is. Isn't flattery such a terrible thing? Some, I mean, flattery. Somebody comes and they, they butter you up just to get something out of you. That's flattery, right? We've seen this all throughout the ages. People will always come and flatter you. Well, you did really good. What are you going to give me, right? You come to a kid, a little kid, two, three years old. He can come up and say, oh, I love you. And everybody goes, "Oh." And then, you know, ten minutes later, he'll come over and say, can I have some cookies? I want some cookies. And you're like, aw, give him some cookies. But it takes a while for that kid to learn how to do it like this. I love you. Can I have some cookies? You see, it becomes a flattery. It becomes a, it becomes a manipulation. And so I want to encourage you today that in the body of Christ, the Apostle Paul said that he didn't do it. He didn't come with a mask on. Boy, so many people wear masks. Uh, look, he says, we were not looking for praise from men, nor from you or anyone else. I love this. Even though as apostles of Christ, we could have 
we could have asserted our authority. Even though we had the right to do that, we didn't. We didn't wear a mask. How many people wear masks so many times? Did you ever, on your way into church, just have one of those days where it's not going well in the car? It wasn't going well in the house before you got in the car? And then it's like you're having this, it's just like a not real happy day in the car. And then you pull up, you get on the church parking lot, and it's like you drive all the way to the back end so nobody sees you and your wife having a discussion. And you go all the way out, and you pull up into your space, and you get out of the car, and you're like, Hello! I can't wait to worship! I hope they play my favorite song today! See, we do that, don't we? We put on a mask. Paul said we didn't come, we didn't put on a mask. It wasn't a scheme for money. We weren't coming with a mask to cover up greed so we could get something from you. And I love this. He says, we weren't looking for praise. Boy, isn't this sad? How many times do, through the years, I mean, throughout the ages, the people look for praise? Man, well, you didn't appreciate me. You didn't love me. We're not looking for praise. He says, we weren't looking for praise. We're not looking for anything from you. Even as an apostle of Christ, we could have. He says, listen, we could have. We could have usurped our authority. We could have said, hey, I'm the apostle Paul. He says, no, we came. And he continues on. We were like little children. And we were just real. We were just honest. And I want to encourage you. How do we operate in the church today? How did you and I get along? How do we, as the body of Christ, we've got to come down. We've got to get real. We've got to be honest. We've got to just be you. And I want to encourage you, just be you. When you come to church, when you are understanding your part in the body of Christ, just be you. Um, and, and the reason to do this is because God loves and accepts you for who you are. God loves and accepts you right where you're at. He's not asking you to perform to gain his love. That is really a hard concept for us because we've been taught to perform. You teach your dog to perform for a treat. But God, we're not dogs. We're not performing for a treat. God says, I love you with an unconditional love, and I want you to be you. Now, he doesn't want you to stay in your sin. He doesn't want you to continue there. But you start there. And I want to encourage you, folks, when you come to the house of the Lord, when you come into the, to the place of worship here, just be yourself. Man, don't come in and try to pretend. Don't pretend that, that life's perfect because it's not. Don't try to pretend that, uh, that your kids are perfect because it's not. But don't try to pretend that your marriage is perfect because it's not. Don't pretend that you don't struggle. Listen, put it on the table and come together. As a matter of fact, this brother and sister thing within the body of Christ... <clears throat> It's bigger than just something that we call each other. Hey, brother. Hey, sister. You know, uh, some of you will call me, hey, brother, how you doing? And, and that's, that's part of our church family, right? We're, we're brothers and sisters. Um, here's what James 5.16 says. I want you to catch this. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. He's not saying, hey, set up a confession booth every time you get with your friend and just unload, man, da, 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 da. He's saying, confess your sin. He's saying, bear this out. Let this be known. Let your problems be known. Let your shortcomings, the areas that you need help in, let it be known. You see, you can't reveal those things to everybody, but you can reveal those things to somebody. You know, this morning I was able to share with you a few needs 
the needs are going uh, at large around this church. There are so many needs. People have needs uh, beyond measure. God has called us to be the body of Christ, to be the family of God to each other. So as we interact with each other, we listen, we take time, we pay attention, and we care, and we, and we, we, uh, we pray for one another. Bring your imperfect you. Don't pretend that you don't have weaknesses. And somebody needs to know. Now, think about this. If you're going through a dark time in your life, there's things that are, that are, that are, that are maybe you're going through a depression. Listen, somebody needs to know that. Like, you've got to find somebody in the, in the family of God that you can say, man, I am really struggling. I am really burdened. I need some help. Um, there's a habit that you've been dealing with. It's haunting you. Somebody needs to know. That's what James 5.16 was all about. Somebody needs to know. Uh, you've got to get with somebody. You've got to share this. And as you pray for one another, God gives you the victory. Surgery. Maybe you have a surgery that's coming up. Man, there's something big in your life and, and you're concerned about a health crisis. So you, you have that on your counter and you're scared to death about that surgery that's coming up. Somebody needs to know. You've got to share that with somebody. And that's what the family of God is all about. And so as we come and we do this, we cannot isolate. We have gotten really good in the American world of isolating. We've been told that you are strong, that you can do this. Don't let anybody see you sweat, right? So you, are, you think that you can do that. Well, we, got, we went through COVID, didn't we? And the whole world was isolated. We were isolated for about three months up here. I, we tried to keep in touch through phone and different means. But our, well, our gatherings, we couldn't meet for three months. Then we started meeting on a parking lot. It was great. People were happy just to be in community again, be in the family again. And then we said we're going to come back into the building and we're going to start and we're going to have services again. And we opened up and we took out about two-thirds of the chairs because we had to make them six feet apart. You remember that. And when you came in, the place looked full because we took out all the chairs. And the next person was six feet in front of you. And then people began to come back. People saw that hey, isolation's not good. They came back in and then, well, we moved the chairs to five and a half feet. Well, then we got down to five feet. Then we got down, well, I don't even want to know where they're at anymore because that's in our rearview mirror, isn't it? Listen. The, what we need is not to be isolated. You need the family. You need the family of God. It's so important that we bear one another's burdens. So, so important that we are in, in each other's lives. And, and that's what he said here. He said, we came to you as a child. We weren't expecting nothing from you. We were just real. We were just honest. The second picture in this passage he gives is a, a loving mother. Not only as a child, he continues on the second half of verse 7. He says, just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. What a powerful picture, isn't it? Man. He says, because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. The picture of a nursing mother, there's nothing more dear than a mom holding that child so tight. And I, and I want you to think about this because he says here, he says, we came to you as a, as a mom nurses her child. He says, we came to you and we, we gave you the gospel. The gospel is good news. When you see the word gospel in scripture, just say good news. 
That's what it means. It is the good news and it's the greatest news that Jesus died on the cross. He was paid for our sin. He was buried and he rose again the third day that you might have eternal life. And God, the good news is that Jesus came to rescue you from darkness and bring you into the light. The good news, if it stopped there, he says, we, we gave you this good news. And he says, we did more than that. We gave you our lives. He said, we gave you this good news. We gave you this thing that would change your life, but we gave you our lives as well. Man, I want you to think about this. What, what, God gave us this, this great news that you don't have to live in brokenness, and you don't have to live this life alone. He brings us out, calls us out to his ecclesia, and we get to do life together, and this is the family of God. And you are the family of God. We get to pour in. We get to see. We get to encourage each other. And God gave us this gift. But the Apostle Paul here says, we gave you our lives. I want you to think about a nursing mother. A nursing mother sacrifices everything. There's a few things that a nursing mother sacrifices. She sacrifices her time, doesn't she? I'll never forget, before we had kids, we're like, yeah, I can't wait to have a kid. And then it was like, we had this kid. And then we had no time for 25 years. No time. It's gone. Like, like when they were little, man, it was like my wife was life support for that child, right? She was the nursing mother, pure life support for that child. Uh, you, you have to give your time. You have to give your energy. Man, it takes a lot of energy to be a mom, to be a nursing mom, right? The, the mom has to, here's what she has to do. She has to chew the food. She has to go eat food. Chew it, take this meat and chew it up. She swallows it and she turns it into food that the baby can digest. That's what the Apostle Paul said. He said, we were eating meat, we digested it, and we gave out milk. And that's what God's called us to do in the body of Christ. I'm supposed to eat the meat and I give out the milk. There's a lot of new babies there's a lot of new believers. The church is, the, in Acts, it says that God added to the church daily. God is still adding to the church daily. There's somebody new coming to Christ. Every week I'm hearing about somebody has shared their faith with their friend and they're bringing people to Christ. You know what it requires? It takes time to do this. It takes energy. And then not only does it take energy, but it takes attention. And we have to pay attention to people. And so he says, that's what we did for you. I'm reminded of a few people in our church that do similar things like this. There's a lot of people in our church that do this. It gives them their time, their energy, and their attention. Uh, Doris Canton is one of them. Doris uh, helps out in our office here. She comes in two days a week and volunteers. And she has decided that she wants to, wants to keep in touch with many of the older people who are homebound. And they, they can't get out to church. Many of you have not even met these folks because they, they have been homebound for many years. She has decided that she will take the bulletins and we hand out the bulletins out there. She takes the bulletins and she puts it into an envelope and then she makes a newsletter. And it's just a few sentences, maybe a paragraph. Hey, this is what happened at church this weekend. We had a thousand kids at Trunk and Treat. Hey, Pastor Ken's daughter got married. She put that in one of them. I got another one coming up in, in February. Pray for me. Yeah. You know? like, like, that's what she did, right? 
she puts all this little news in there. And then I get out to visit them. And I, I don't get out there too often. Every now and then I get out to visit them. And I'll go in. I'll never forget. I used to go down here and see Lois Vandermeer before she passed. I go in. And she said, it's so good to see you. But did you see my note from Doris? I was like, well, what about me? But did you see my note from Doris? And she pulls this out and says, man, Doris really cares about me. She says, you know, I get one of them from Doris every Tuesday in the mail. And it was, it was somebody who gave her their time, their energy, their attention to, to care for somebody else in the church. Uh, there's another fellow in our church. He, he loves to, to go and visit people when they're sick in the hospital. He, he gets word of it and he goes out and he'll visit you in the hospital. He visits, uh, he visits a lot of the homebound people. And uh, as he goes on these visits, he's made a big impact. I was doing a funeral this summer for one of our ladies that passed away in the church. And her kids got up at the funeral, and they, with tears in their eyes, they said, we want to thank that man over there. And they pointed to him in the back of the room. He came and saw my mom every Monday morning in the hospital for the last 15 weeks. I want to thank God for that man. Not the pastor, but the body of Christ. You see, the pastor is one man. You can't, I can't meet all your needs. I can't possibly even know all your needs. There's a thousand people God's given us to shepherd here. But the body of Christ, somebody can. And this man who loves the Lord, he goes out and he's faithful. And that's what he believes God wants him to do. He's giving his time, his energy and attention. And I want you to think this morning, who could benefit from your time, your energy and your attention? Who? Think about it in the, in the body of Christ. Who can benefit from you picking up the phone and saying, man, I haven't seen you in a while. I've just been thinking about you. How about, how about picking up the phone and saying, can we do a coffee together? I'd just like to hang out. I know you're going through a trial. I just want you to know I've been praying for you. Uh, maybe it's somebody else that you have to, you've been eating the meat. Man, you know, if, if we only eat the meat and we don't turn it into milk, We've missed the whole point of the meat. The meat, as you look at the Scriptures, the whole deal about the meat of the Word was so that we could take it in, that we could grow, and we could strengthen the newborn babes and help get them to the point where they too can eat the meat. And so as we go into this, what about the energy? Uh, how, about, how about like their Sunday school teachers, you guys downstairs with, your, with the little kids? That's what you're doing. Lori, you've been teaching for years down there. You're eating the meat. Those little kids couldn't understand the meat. She puts it right on the plate and lets them eat. Man, there's a place for everybody to, to get involved. In a life group, we have people getting involved in life groups right now. In these C groups, we, life groups, C groups, we're calling whatever we want to call them, right? There's groups. And listen, we have groups on Wednesday night for the men. We meet in here. I'm hearing men, grown men, say, I need prayer. I'm hearing grown men say, thanks for thinking about me. I heard a grown man that came to the, to the study last year. He said, you know what? It's really cool when I come in on Sunday now. People talk to me and they know me. And they ask me. I told them I shared something with them. And they asked me how it's going. They saw a follow-up. See, that's because it takes time. It takes energy and attention. Who is it in your life that could benefit? Who in the body of Christ, in this, in this family of God, 
who could, who could benefit from that right now as you go out and you seek to give time and energy and attention? First um, Thessalonians 2.9, he continues on. He says here, he says, Surely you remember, brothers, our toil and hardship. We worked night and day in order to not be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel to you. He says, You knocked on our door at midnight and we answered. Night and day, we, were, we, wanted, we wanted you. We did not want to be a burden to you. We weren't coming and asking you for money. We were just in your life. We wanted you to know Jesus, and we shared our lives with you. We were not a burden to you. We preached the gospel to you, and we worked hard night and day. I want to encourage you. Man, there's people who need you. Man, there's people that need you. A night and day, somebody is going to call. Where's our relationships that we're developing like that? You are witnesses, verse 10. You are witness. You are our witness. And so is God of how holy, righteous, and blameless that we were among you who believed. And then he moves into a third, third aspect here. He says, like a concerned father. That's the third thing in your notes there. A concerned father. It says, for you know that we dealt with you, verse 11, you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you from this kingdom of glory. Oh, this is so powerful. He says, the Apostle Paul says, man, like a dad, I came and I I encouraged you. Encourage means to come alongside. You see, that's how you encourage somebody. You get down where their problem is and you encourage them. You bring them up. So you encourage. He said, I comforted you when you were having pain, whenever there was problems. He said, yeah, I didn't want you to just feel better, but I wanted you to grow. I wanted you to, to be better, to, to grow into this new growth in Christ. And then he says that he urged them. Uh, Paul testified out of his own experience. You know, there's, there's some times that you have to urge people to do something. Let me give you an example. Your, your child doesn't want to do his homework, right? So what do you have to say when your child doesn't want to do his homework? Son, I strongly encourage you to do your homework. Right? Son, if you would like to have that cell phone, I strongly encourage you to do your homework. How about when the kids get the keys to the car? They come home after midnight. I strongly urge you, if you ever want to drive again, to not do that ever again. You see, and this is what the Apostle Paul said. There's times that dad is encouraging. There's times that he's comforting. And there's times that dad has to lead and say, this is the way to go. Every one of you can look back to your dad and say, there was a time when dad said, get in the car. And this is what the Apostle Paul says. It's time to get on the bus because the bus is going towards Jesus. And I want you, I'm begging you, I'm urging you, I'm pleading you to continue. And so he says, this is how we came to you. And as we wrap up this morning, I want you to think about this. That the family of God, it's a family because God is the Father. And he said, this is how you become a child of God. John 1.12 says this. He says, but as many as received him. Read it with me. But as many as received him. To them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name. He says, these are the, the, these are the people who are my children. 
You want to be a child of God? You believe and receive. Many people have a head faith. Receiving takes it to the heart faith. Where you're putting your life on it, you believe it's so true, you're going to trust it for your eternity, you're going to open up the gift of God. You're going to receive His gift of eternal life. As many as received Him, to them He gave the right to become the children of God. That's how you get into the family of God. It's because of what Jesus did on the cross, once for all, forever. He paid the price for your sin. He rose again. So I want to invite you into the family of God today. Secondly, I want to encourage you to love the church. Christ loved the church, and so can we. If he could love it, so can we. Listen, we look at each other, and we say, ah. God says, love them for who they are, for who they can be in Christ. And that's how we are to love each other unconditionally. And that's how we make bonds that last a lifetime. It's through Jesus Christ. And I'll tell you what, I love the church. This church in particular has impacted my life. Man, there was a time that, uh, that when we were kids, we came into the church, and I'll tell you what, I was never a number in this church. Never. There were always hundreds of people here. We came in on those crazy buses. But I'll tell you what, I was never a number. They all knew my name, and they cared about me. They loved me. And then one day I got up into the middle of high school and then they started inviting us to their house. I grew up in Dormont. We didn't go to anybody's houses. They invited me into your house. And then they fed us. They gave us dinner. It was called hospitality. And they cared about us. And you know what they did? It wasn't just the gospel. They shared their life with me. And I'm a, I have benefited from the church. And so my life, I tell you, I love the church. Is the church without its problems? No. The church will always have problems. Why? Because we are broken people for whom Jesus died. Thanks be to God. One day we will be presented to Christ. Amen? Amen. And we'll be talking. Yeah, you can clap for that. That's exactly what we're talking about. So we're going to talk about that picture of the bride in a few weeks. But I want you to catch us in the family. We've got to forgive one another. Because whether you like it or not, you've got to put up with me in heaven. So you can forgive me now or you can forgive me when you're perfect. So let's forgive one another. Let's love one another. Let's, listen, it is so worth it. I can't reach a 1,000 people. But I'll tell you what, 500 people can reach one people, and then we can reach a 1,000 people. And God can do this, and this is his plan. Folks, I thank God for the church. It's his, it's his family, and we get to be a part of it. Ups, downs, but I'll tell you what, the thing I love about family the most is that's where you're always accepted. No matter where I've been, what I do, I go home to mom, I'm still her number one son. Because I was the firstborn. (laughs) And I could have had the worst sermon, the longest sermon. You know when those are. And she says, you did wonderful. You know why? 
because it's family. And even if you failed miserably, she loves you. That's the family of God. We have failed miserably at times. You will always be loved and accepted. Why? Because every one of us in here is facing the same things. We are falling forward. Let's close in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed today, I want to invite you to Christ. I want to invite you to be a part of the family. The family of Christ is the family of, of God, the church. The true church is not just going to a building and hearing a sermon. That's not the family. That's a building and hearing a sermon. But Jesus died, paid for your sin, and he came back to life again. And if you will believe and receive, he invites you to become his child. So today, as we close, the very first thing I want to invite you to do is to become a child of God. Would you pray and just call unto the Lord and pray something like this? Dear God, I'm a sinner, and I need you. Jesus, you died on the cross. You paid for my sin. You were buried and you rose again. You came back to life again for me. And I believe that. And today, I want to receive that. I invite you into my life. And I'm trusting you with my soul for eternity. Thank you, God, for inviting me into your family. And for others this morning... In this room, maybe God's been speaking to you about just being a little bit more real. Just be honest. We don't got it together, but we are accepted and loved by God. Maybe God's been talking to you about time and energy and attention to other parts of the body. Maybe God's been talking to you about how to encourage each other, how to urge other people to follow God. Lord, I pray you'll be with each one of us, Lord, as we take your word. And uh, Lord, help us as we make decisions how we interact in this wonderful gift of the family of God. In your name we pray. Amen. Please stand with us.
chill blows away and bonfire fire warms my heart under the night sky I'm drifting off in the deep of the valley your presence surrounds me the crickets sing and trees ring and I want to let you know